Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 522 being recorded November 14th, 2018. I'm Alan Malentano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peak. And I'm Ken Addison. And there's an Alex right. over We made it. With his hood up. It's yeah, cold in so here. Pretty. Yeah. All righty. So, uh, podcast time. Is that time of the week? Hump day. We call that hump day with podcast. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Burger sure. day. It's the, yeah, Josh's burger day. Josh, how was your burger today? My burger was good. It was the all American. Uh, I didn't take a picture for a change. Oh, well then it's, it, it, you can't officially have called it burger day then. Cause you yeah, didn't, but my kid, he was, uh, went to work today and he had the Chicago dog and it looked pretty fantastic. I probably mm. should have taken a picture of that. Yeah. Josh, does your flip phone not have a camera on it? That's correct. <laughs> I have one I could send you if you wanted to upgrade. A flip phone with a camera? Yeah. No, mine, mine's still Color just a StarTech with no screen on there. Why would you need a screen? Yeah. But it still does flip open, of course, because that's just it does. cool. Yeah. 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 How else would you angrily hang up on somebody if you couldn't flip the phone down? I said good day. That's true. Like angrily find the end call button. No. That's why those Motorola phones suck. Yeah. No they never cut on. <sighs> I had one. Sadly. Anyway. Uh, subscribe to our mailing list. PCPro.com slash subscribe. If you want to know when we're about to stream a show or stream an event where we have someone over here in studio to talk about stuff or things like that. Um, uh, give us your name, your email, and that's all we do is send emails related to the streaming of things. So, or forget to sometimes. Or but we forget did this to. week. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's like the know. opposite of uh, we're going to spam you. We might not even we email you. We forget to spam you. Yeah, we might not even email you uh, even when we wanted to email you anyway. Yeah. Um, so, sorry about that, but, you know, did we send the email? Yeah, this we week? made it this week. Oh, sweet. We've, been, okay. we've had a pretty good track record ever okay. since that Ryan guy left. Oh, well, we, yeah, we got him out of here. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Now things are getting back on track. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, Patreon.com. Speaking of that Ryan guy leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we updated. <laughs> Patreon.com slash PC per. Uh, I guess we're just waiting for Avengers 4 uh, to roll around there. So, uh, you know. <laughs> and then there's that yeah, I, like, I like Jim peeking up in the, the background. Then there's that Jim guy. The best. I could have swore he wasn't even at that CES, but. Uh, That's what you think. Apparently was. I, I, I guess. He's I think he slept in the bathtub. I know the curtains kept getting swished around there. I thought it was just the wind. Turns out. It was Jim it the was, entire time. It was Jim the entire time. He's been stalking us. He survived on leftover power bars and Diet Cokes. And animal crackers. You no, know, that's, there, that's quite con. There would have been plenty of scraps. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, mailbag. Maybe we recorded mailbag number 60. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus. So uh, I get to do 69, right? Uh, we're probably, nice. We have to yes. save it for you, which is a good yes. follow-up to mine, which <laughs> nice. was titled by Jim, You Touched My Silicone Sensitive Areas. Um, what? What? Uh, yeah, I know. It's Jim. It's Jim humor. Why is there an SSD in the sink? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, at least he cleaned it off afterwards. You know, as long as you let it dry thoroughly. Yeah, so the question related to the silicone thing was that there was uh, apparently one of the thermal grizzly variants, 
the the uh, thermal compound variants yeah is uh silicone free so that you can use it on silicone sensitive areas i mean i guess and and like i mean i don't know i mean i even like i was even asking like huh. uh steve like from gamers nexus cuz maybe he would know yeah, silicon sensitive areas. No, well, just like he does a bunch of thermal compounds that, like, whatever yeah. you know, like it, we we had no idea. Like, that's it, weird. He didn't know. Yeah, I um, don't understand that at all. Somebody on the comments for the, I think the YouTube video mentioned like that, like sulfur gets like absorbed by silicone and can attack other things. But <laughs> I don't remember inside of a PC as being a place where you're worried about sulfur just seeping into stuff. <laughs> Maybe like I, I don't it, think it, we're worried about that. Is your PC haunted? Uh, I'm, I'm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing yeah. like doping your own silicone at home. Yeah. Is that what the kids are calling it? Yes. <laughs> do you do that? Yeah, with I, a don't, spoon I don't. I don't know of any process that's going to. Yeah, I don't eat know. away at silicone without you know it being extremely yeah. basic or extremely acidic with right. certain hydrogen bonds that it's going to you know. Yeah, it's just that all Hang the other, on. you know, every thermal grizzly com- compound except for one contains silicone. It's like silicone based or whatever. Yeah. And this, this you know, hydronaut isn't. I, I don't know. It's for people it's, with allergies. It's a thermal paste that won't poison you. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, uh, so our silicon our thermal paste only contains 100% non human uh, susceptible cyanide. So I'm, I'm still I'm still curious about this. So if anybody listening has a clue as to why you're worried about silicone being present or not present in your thermal compound, uh, let me know because it's, now it's to the point where I'm just like what? baffled. Like I just want to know what the answer is. There had to be some reason they put that in there. I don't know, or maybe they just happened to make the thing and they're like, hey, we this one just doesn't have silicone in it. Marketing guys. <laughs> Figure that out, you know. And what's, there's a slap so, organic so what's on it. different about this one? Well, you know, it's got these thermal conductivity ratings, and uh, yeah, yeah. We didn't yeah. need to use any silicone in it, so there's and that. Then, I was trying to think of like, got it. I was trying to think would silicone like attack like tubing for like water cooling because they're talking oh, about it like no. it's hydro not. But, but how like, would it? But it doesn't diffuse through. No, like it really doesn't. Like it does. And, and how's it going to water block into your right, right, <laughs> tubing? Right. right. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, JoshTech.com with two Ks gets you to our merch store. Silicon sensitive area sounds like a new t-shirt. Might need to do that. that. Nobody Ooh. would buy. <laughs> I, I would buy one of those probably. I don't yeah, I've, I've got something to announce with uh, in terms of, of the Josh Tech. You're going to have to discontinue the use of that name because um, I'm announcing that I was just hired by Lucid Logic. Uh-huh. As oh, uh, wow. their chief uh, performance company? officer. Uh-huh. So the mug and, uh, doesn't have Josh Tech on it, so we can keep selling that. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't have the trademark. Mm. Oh. Womp. Womp. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what do we got here? A show. Yeah, we can review. Uh, Turtle Beach Elise. Uh, whoops. Turtle Beach Elite. <laughs> Atlas <clears throat> Pro performance gaming headset. I'm so pumped. All of those reviews. <laughs> All those descriptors in there. Uh, Chris Coke wrote this one up. Uh, it's, it's a headset. Um, 
It's a hundred dollars. You know, who would have thought that Turtle Beach was still around? Yeah, yeah right. They are. I mean, you know, they were the they bees needed back in the day. Okay. They're they're picking the console space, which is like mind blowing if you think about where they came from. Yeah, they changed gears, and it seems to be paying around off for like them. Xbox 360, PS3 era. They started pivoting and selling these really successful, pretty good console headsets. I had one of the earlier ones, and even back then, it was like they were doing quality stuff. I can see why they're popular, but it's just it's a weird pivot. Yeah. Hey, if it works, but more console but gamers than there are audio audiophiles, right? It's true. But yeah, this is this is sort of an interesting one. Uh, it, it is essentially the Elite Pluro Two, which sold for two hundred and fifty bucks. But they popped out the uh, super amp, like the the inline sound the card. Super amp, super amp, super. On the assumption that your motherboard probably has at least as good, if not better, of a sound card and codecs and drivers on it. So, boom, 150 bucks comes off the price. And apart from that, Chris says it pretty much felt the exact same. Hmm. And there's not a damn thing that you can't do with a decent motherboard from, uh, you know, your, your gate levels to playing with your equalizer to doing everything. So if you're not gaming on an Xbox, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to save your, the extra money and go with this. Yeah. And it's fancy. It doesn't have RGBs, but those side panels can pop off and eventually be able to order custom ones to clip on so that you can look special. Mm-hmm. Look so at those that, ear cups. Yeah. Does, does that make it an open ear design if you pop off those things? <laughs> well, yeah, there's a shot. Not exactly. I mean, it is kind of vented looking. Yeah. Yeah. Without the, not, a little not bit further, one, but up above, I think that they just got a different. I one don't know. more. Almost there. Keep going. Almost oh, gonna God. keep oh, going. Yeah. There you there go. See, look, vented. It's all vented. It's vented, but there's a cover. Well, yeah, you yeah don't exactly. Put the cover so on, it's it's you, you can yeah. make either your. I wonder what that do with sound, Sebastian. <laughs> key in. If you could, because you've had like Grado headphones and you've put your hands over the vented areas to see what it sounds like, right? Isn't it amazing how you lose all bass response when you do that? Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there might be, so it looks like it's not a flush fit there. So there might be enough of a, air, a cavity in there where it can, you, it can move the air. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's probably just, yeah. it's probably just going to leak around that. I don't think it's meant to be like, you know, airtight. So the, near the end here, it mentions, uh, so this doesn't have the super amp, but it's Dolby Atmos compatible. If it's just an analog, like well, you know, I've actually done a little bit of research about this as I as I continue to prepare <laughs> what will undoubtedly be an extensive review of my two dollar, including shipping, USB sound device that I recently purchased from China via eBay. Windows 10 includes virtual uh, headphones around support. Okay. So I was kind of poking around with that, and you can just plug anything into your computer after a certain build number and enable I cannot remember what it's called right now Windows some sort of something, Sonic some sort of spatial surround Sonic thing. space or something but Dolby Atmos is one of the options and when you click on it it automatically opens up the Windows App Store and you have to download this free app but it lets you choose between like the Windows default 7.1 channel simulator and Dolby Atmos simulator spatial which I think sound. you have to buy after a trial period but 
I think oh, that's yeah. what they're kind of banking on with this is, hey, the API is right there inside of uh, Windows 10 now. So if you're using this on a PC, you can get virtual surround sound, including Dolby Atmos. Hmm. But just You can use Dolby Atmos or you can use Windows Sonic for headphones. I don't know. Did did we lose Sebastian? Ooh, we did I think, think we might have. Yeah. I think we might have lost him. He... We lost you, Sebastian. Have you heard anything that I've said at all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we mm. Just the last ten. Uh, seconds. Do, do you have a cold, Sebastian? I do. Oh. Unlike some people, I'm actually here right now. Yeah, yeah. He shows up. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's uh, you need to. That's not that stain behind you is is actually mold, and that's what's oh, causing you to be sick. I see. I knew it. Don't worry, because. Uh, there's going to be some, uh, I don't know what, I, I guess, uh, kills primer. What do you use on a basement wall? Bleach. Kills. Is it already painted? Yeah, but I don't know, like 15 years ago with some dreadful yellow paint, as you can see. <laughs> I, I can't, I can see. We were you should just paint it green so you can use it as a green screen. We were considering uh, we were considering white balancing while you're away <laughs> off of that wall, <laughs> off of his yellow wall, just to see what but happens when he comes come back. Across this blue yeah. after after we did that. <laughs> anyway, going going back with the uh, the Sonic headphones, Turtle Beach, and beer. Ooh, and beer and, and beer. Okay. How much do these cost? Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks, really? That ain't bad. That's, that's not bad. Pretty yeah. damn good. So the amp is like two fit or one fifty, I guess, out of that. Yeah, they should just make a super amp add-on that you can magnetically attach to the back of it, like the essential phone. That seems to be doing really well for them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Whatever your phone isn't doing well, definitely go with uh, modularity <laughs> because <laughs> it, look at Motorola. They have built an empire on selling <laughs> modular Android phones I, to people. I think I found a typo. <laughs> it's frequency responses 12 hertz to 20 hertz but it doesn't really well like within that, low. That's it. that range all you get is bass really nothing else <laughs> all, I didn't know the headphones could even go down to 12 hertz that is impressive yeah yeah it is impressive that it goes down all to 12 all I hear when I listen to Katy Perry is earthquakes <laughs> <laughs> it's like that earth shaker sound booth at CES every year uh, okay uh, next up, we have Ken still cranking out the juice over here. Core i nine 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 eighty stop nine nine eighty XE. Much like Intel, I can't stop. Much like Intel and their Skylake architecture, uh -huh. I can't stop, won't stop. I, I see. <laughs> so there's really not a whole lot to say here. The nine nine eighty XE. This was announced alongside the uh, i nine ninety nine hundred K, which we took a look at last month. Uh. Full refresh of the Core X series processors, the HEDT, the X299 stuff. If you scroll down one more, you can see uh, one more. You can see the full lineup, which we've talked about. Essentially, the only new stuff here is a move from 14 plus to 14 plus plus process technology, which the consumer processors have already been on since the 8700K. So now they're doing two. Steps, three steps in between the talks it's more or whatever. Of a square dance, I think. It's worse than a square dance <laughs> yeah, now. It's I, like I got nothing. Yeah, it was waltz. Then it was uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, we lost they, track. They can't even come up with the term at this point. I don't so think. that's uh, that's twelve hundred or two two grand. Yes. So same pricing as the previous seventy nine eighty XE, the eighteen core processor that this is replacing. The only real difference here is clock speeds. Okay. So if you look at uh, I scroll down a little bit. 
it's in there in the in the text. Oh. It's about 400 megahertz boost 200 or 400 megahertz base 200 boost, I believe. Yeah. And then yep. 100 megahertz the all core boost clock. So they went back to the solder thermal interface material like we saw in the 900K, so they're getting and the move to 14 nanometer plus plus is getting them the ability to add some clock speed across the line here. Yeah. It's a decent bump. Yeah. That's essentially all we're looking at. Cache is the same. Memory is the same. PCIe lanes are the same. <laughs> TDP is the same. They took $20 off the price. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, wow. the suggested retail price for the 7980XE on ARC is 1979 to 1999. So oh. I just took the higher number because it, 1979 seems like a stupid number. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean, I guess we can look at a couple of the benchmarks, but we don't really have to. Uh, let's look at this iometer thing because it's got me curious. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of change in iometer from the 7980XE. You look at the top two yeah, yeah. sets. Uh, the clock speed at advantage doesn't really so our buy cons- you a whole lot here. Well, so did the 7980XE have any hardware mitigations for Spectre and Meltdown? Oh, uh, well, this doesn't. Okay, so. and this well, this doesn't either because it's no. not uh, what is it Coffee Lake or whatever? Right? Uh, mm, or whatever. No. It's Skylakey. Yeah, it's, yeah Sky it's the same architecture. Okay, gotcha. Well, so is there anything out yet with hardware mitigations? Mm, sort of. Right? Uh, I believe the 9900K yeah. has hardware mitigations for one of them. Yeah, technically the easier, the easiest of the whole first batch to patch. Yeah. But I mean we're talking about microcode updates here. Yeah, we haven't the platform. We haven't like essentially. We haven't like super dug in onto into like exactly what performance yeah. which variant is affecting but the worst or whatnot. If you scroll back down to that IMOTER IMOTER chart, we can look at it compared to thr- the Threadripper ships. Okay. And you see a substantial gap here between uh Q depth one maximum IO performance between right. the Intel uh, core X stuff in the Threadripper parts. What's interesting there is uh, that's that's pretty low numbers for single thread. Like, I mean, basically, we're just how fast can a RAM disk be accessed s- single threaded? So the bottleneck is the thread performance of the OS. Uh, yeah. You know, basically, it's an interaction between uh, the processor and system memory, RAM, mm-hmm. basically. Um. So yeah, that's that's kind of significant. Like it's it's what a half to a third of uh, the performance on Threadripper. That one. Oh, I've got the number in there somewhere. The actual difference. It's a pretty jarring. Uh, 9980XE is ninety percent faster. Okay, so, so near, nearly two x. I missed a little performance. Uh, so if you go ahead and go, let's go to the media encoding page and, and rendering page and take a look at that one. Alrighty. So, I mean, if you look at the overall story here, not much has changed between if you look at a review of the 2990WX and the 2970WX that we did uh, within the last month or so. You have an advantage to Intel for single thread performance, like has been the entire story of the whole Intel versus AMD Ryzen thing. Yep. And then now you have a substantial core advantage. On the, the AMD, AMD side. side, yeah, for for less money, right? For about seventeen, I think it was seventeen twenty-five this week. You can get the thirty-two core Threadripper twenty-nine ninety WX. So okay. it's just a it's a massive amount of which is massive uh, advantage. Now I don't know what the percentage difference is there, but that's like uh, the Threadripper is 
doing a what is that blender yeah mm -hmm. yeah the blender workload is like almost half the time like it's it's yeah. getting there of, yeah. compared to a 9980xe uh interestingly if you scroll down to the other blender workload uh it's actually way closer oh that is pretty close so oh. i the Gooseberry is the longer workload. It's a more complex scene. There's kind of more upfront work that's done, so things kind of smush closer together, which huh. I think is what happened here. Okay. What's happening here? Uh, but so I mean, it just goes to show that even if you have more threads in all scenarios, it won't necessarily be better. Right. This one might be more memory intensive or something at that yeah. beginning. Yeah, it end might and, be. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it really is workload dependent, but yeah, it's good to see AMD like just kicking intel in the teeth in at least a couple areas yeah which is pretty but, cool I mean, if you look at pavre which is scales super super well multi-threaded i mean <laughs> yeah look at that yeah it's 27 percent difference there that seems to be a, a pretty common thing is 20 to 30 percent advantage for the 2990 wx in very threaded applications how much was the 2970 wx uh it's 12 like 13 12 or 1300 yeah yeah Look it's, at that. It's still beating. The, yeah. The amount of value that keeps scrolling. The, the threader provide. So the 2950X is, nah, it's slower. Yeah, but. But it's also a, thou, a, a $900 processor. Yeah. <laughs> it's half <it's> price. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What right. is your money worth at that point? Yeah, performance right? like, for the dollar, man. Like, that's uh, AMD is stretching yeah. a dollar really far. It, yeah. It's so weird to see AMD just wiping the floor on the high end. Right. Because it seems like you, you, they have them, um, they're bracketed in really well. The, they have the low end, they have the mid range. Intel's still got the the king of gaming. But then when you get into these heavier workloads, it's just stomping it. And it's doing it at such a great, great price point. Yeah. Here's an interesting one, actually. Uh, handbrake in both H.264 and H.265 encoding, the 9980XE wins. Huh. I think... Is, I it, mean, is it not taking advantage of some stuff that Threadripper could do, maybe? The, isn't I, that AVX 512? Yeah, I think it, it's leveraging AVX. Okay. Yeah. So, again, a, a very real-world scenario, transcoding 4K to 1080p in both H.264 and H.265, you do see an advantage to having the Intel part. Yeah. But again, if you look at the time difference and look at the cost difference, is it worth it? It's true. That's that's two six. Four, isn't it? We're that, looking at this was both. Both. Oh, okay, okay. The margin's much smaller in H.264, I believe, or the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Two six four was yeah. a smaller. Two six five has a way bigger margin. Yeah, because I think two six five doesn't leverage AVX nearly as much. And here's a two sixty four benchmark. This this past past one and past two on the X two six four encoder. Uh, I mean, past two is generally the more multi threaded. Uh, workload, so you can kind of see they trade off there. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, just go ahead and skip to gaming, and we'll, we'll talk about that. So, in general, I think it's difficult to find a place for this processor. So here we were, Ken and I were just talking about this the other day. Yeah. 1080p. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's it's mostly a draw between a well, lot of the stuff. That's pretty compressed. Yeah, yeah. Everything's then, getting pretty compressed these days. Shout out Tomb Raider. I mean, okay, there are differences there. You might have ten to fifteen percent if you're lucky in places, but Shadow Tomb Raider is sensitive to the whole like memory is not connected to the right core stuff, right? Like, yeah, and they they actually did a Ryzen patch for Rise of the Tomb Raider, the last game. So they they've definitely optimized this title a lot. You. 
the Tomb Raider titles used to show a lot bigger difference. But yeah, this is very compressed. Unless results. there's something glare, like there's a glaring issue, like on a couple of the games, like on Total War, Warhammer 2, and Far Cry, mm-hmm. where the Threadripper WX series parts and its odd memory architecture just don't agree with the game. Yeah. It's it's mostly gonna be fine. Like you're gonna be you're gonna be GPU bottlenecked anyways, because you're gonna be paying it something higher than 1080p if you buy a two thousand dollar processor. GTA five tends to not like Threadripper. It's just, just a very, very, very CPU heavy game. Yeah. It it likes frequency yeah. and memory yeah. access. It but likes, it likes straight line speed. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Origins, pretty pretty flat there. Yeah. Didn't well, it wasn't horrible. 9900K, 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 yeah. 9900K. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you're gaming and you don't plan on needing, you know, well, don't get me wrong, 9900K has a decent number of cores to it. Yeah. It's nothing to sneeze yeah. at. So it, it, we can cut away from the charts at this point. Yeah. I guess kind of this, the discussion I want to have is, has the 9900K moving to 8 cores, 16 threads, kind of ruined almost every use case for Intel's HEDT platform. Unless you need more PCIe lanes or you're doing pure, I, I would say if you're doing pure rendering tasks where you need 18 cores, but in that case, buy a Threadripper. Yeah. Like why buy do you two. buy a Core X series processor at this point? You used to be able to make more of an argument with like the 59, 5960X and the 6950X, even though they were stupid overpriced, it was... The pinnacle. It was getting the most cores. It was getting the PCI lanes. It was the highest end, most enthusiast processor you can buy. But that's Threadripper now. Yeah, I mean, you can't. That's Threadripper at four really, really compelling price points and really compelling products. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you can't even make the argument that Intel just has a thing that's the best of everything anymore. No. Because if you are doing like some of those workloads, Threadripper was, you know, yeah. taking Intel to task. So there is no just this is the best of all the things chip anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, and you're you're also talking, you know, apples to apples, performance, performance, right? When you when you when you factor price, in money, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. But it's, but I mean, AMD I, has always been re- CPU wise. Whenever in AMD did have competing CPUs, it's always been AMD. You know, solutions are sure. way more cost mm-hmm. effective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except it, like maybe that. Athlon 64. Yeah. Was there high <laughs> yeah, end? Around, uh, yeah. the, the 50 and 52. Around that FX time. FX 50. Yeah. Yeah. Also, strangely yeah. enough, the number of them they sold 50, 52. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do think these Core X parts are kind of maybe what you would say is the best compromise. If you need to build a high end workstation for something and it needs to be for more than a singular task, mm-hmm. like if you're not just doing Maya or Blender. But you're doing just a bunch of stuff, kind of like what we do around here. We're running a bunch of applications. We never know what we're going to need. You need single thread performance, and you need multi thread performance. They make sense, but yeah. they're still way too expensive. Yeah, like yeah. And as long as you're, you know, like if we were going to render something, we're not necessarily sitting there waiting. Like uh, yeah, you know but, what I mean? but but time is money for a lot of people, yes. especially if you're an independent artist and you yeah. know you have one machine and I like. And if time is money, then it's a money investment, like, and you're kind of okay. Like, maybe the super budget CPU isn't that much of a concern because you're going to get a bunch out of this. It's almost like they should stop calling these core processors. Yeah. They should just be the Xeon W, which they kind of have, which are these process. Well, they had the seventh gen processors rebranded as Xeon W with ECC ECC support. Yeah. Way more expensive, even. It's like, 
that's kind of what this market is anymore. There isn't really a gaming market for these processors, as far as I can tell. Now, a couple of lower-end options on the Core X stuff might be more compelling. We haven't been able to get our hands on it, on that stuff. We were just sampled this processor, so... There might still be more of a story here. We'll wait for people to test other CPUs and kind of see where they lie. But well, you, you know, you were you were kind of touching on something interesting there, Ken. So you said call it a Xeon W, and when you pull everything back, isn't that what this is basically? Kind w- of without ECC support. Yeah. So yeah, you, there's that. So you, so I mean, you nixed that, but I mean, it's it's basically this yeah, the Xeon the silicon put into a consumer, you know. Skew. Well, the Xeon clock's lower, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, the Xeon would traditionally clock lower, but I mean, it was kind of a slight. You should call it a Xeon because they're way too expensive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they like their expense makes them only valuable to a certain market, and that's people who, for them, time is money, mm-hmm. right? right? So, so I mean, what I'm getting at is if they have the the Xeon silicon coming in the fab. Why not have a consumer skew for it, even if there's not a plain and simple market for it? Yeah. It's here. We yeah. have this. You can have this. It'll cost you. But look, we have a competitor. It might not make sense, Yeah, but it's there. And listen, I don't think like the having the Core X series, having the HEDT lineup is going to kill Intel. Like, hmm. it, it's still an aspirational product for them to push. An 18-core processor running at these clock speeds, it's a, it's a cool thing. You can point out the enthusiasts. You can put show off X299 boards with all these PCIe lanes. You can shove stuff in it. And, like, it's a really cool showpiece for them. It's just not recommendable at the moment, at least. So. All right. Not not a whole lot of a surprise. You probably could have seen this coming if you just looked at the announcements, but you know, we've actually tested it now. So there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare yeah. to it. I mean, yeah. if I didn't read PC perspective every day, <laughs> I would have missed it entirely. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Alrighty. Might be time to uh reappraise the high end desktop. I think that might be a job for like the like a performance uh, department, like a chief performance strategist or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't know any of those. Seems impossible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. I got some news for you. Or correction. From him. You've got some, you've got some news for me. Deactivate. Oh, no, deactivate. Deactivate. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could just have like an MP3 clip of every headline so we would understand Jeremy's subtleties sometimes. <laughs> so when you mouse over it, get the designers on that. When you mouse over yeah. it, it has. All right. You know, it always means something, but it is sometimes lost on me, I admit. Yeah. No, I, I got this one. The fun about being obscure. Yeah. Although for anyone who it's, checked their license, they knew exactly what it was. Yeah, so like Windows 10 just randomly uh, killing licenses on systems, I guess. Yeah. And, and uh, honestly, the best part about it was the uh, thread on uh, Microsoft Answers about it because someone was screaming that, well, it's now got a little pop-up on the lower right-hand corner of my screen which says that it needs to be activated and I don't want it to burn into my screen. Because <laughs> that's still a thing. <laughs> Actually, screen burn is is still a thing. Well, it is if you have OLED, especially. 
I mean, I'm not that you're using an OLED display computer <laughs> monitor, which is basically monitor suicide. I wish we were using an OLED as a computer monitor. We should be. I've got a laptop with an OLED screen. Oh no, it hasn't burned it, in it, yet. Yeah. But it took I've a little a while cell to phone fix it. It's got an OLED. It's the only thing I've got. It's as big as it gets. All right. So you know it, what I'm is saying? there is there a fix for this thing or no? Yeah, it took him about two days because this did not just affect people at home. This affected businesses <laughs> as well. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and yes, so it, it was Makes only your... a little thing. They've never really said what went horribly wrong apart from they screwed something up on their validation servers. Makes your company... And so as long as you didn't touch it, you were safe. Makes your company look great when every desktop... <laughs> Says Windows needs to be activated. I've heard there's radio ads from the BSA. You should you should report your company if they're using pirated right. software. There are rewards right? to be had. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also that Microsoft has realized that there is an awesome revenue stream in auditing companies. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so all of them, they'll, they'll plant something on the network to monitor what licensing you've got or you, they get it, access to yours. And so, yeah, literally all of a sudden, they're getting like 10,000 flags of illegal operating systems <laughs> pop up and <laughs> making a phone minute. call only to realize, oh, shit, that was us, wasn't it? On second thought, uh, you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Our bad. I actually had a friend run, to the, run into this with his uh, laptop, and he sent me a screenshot like, this is weird. <laughs> and I actually hadn't heard of it. And then like a couple minutes later, I was on PCPro.com, my homepage, the internet. Uh, and I saw your news post and I said to him, like, well, if you just read PC Pro, you would have known about this already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jeremy's on top of it. Was this related to the same October update that was pulled and recently reissued, or is this a separate uh, no, issue? Uh, separate. No, this was a new, unique issue that they have given us. <laughs> oh, to. oh, brilliant. It just keeps giving. All right, so uh, you know, if they just validated stuff and then only pushed it out, well, you know, whatever. It's they talked about service, implementing this new project where they're going to do internal validation before releasing things to the public. Oh, like like an internal insiders program? Wow. Yeah. That, that actually, that's I've never heard of that before. That sounds oh. pretty unique. You bring your beta testers inside. Wow. And even if they you know, speaking of bringing beta testers inside, did you know that Billy Idol became a U.S. citizen today? Did not. Oh, it's a nice day for a naturalization ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice day to start again. Uh, start again. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. I was waiting for him to say white wedding, but that well, was the joke. No, that, that didn't was, happen. Yeah. 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 All right. We've <laughs> we killed him. Oh. He dead. Next up. Uh. Uh, so <laughs> someone slapped uh, one of those uh, Seagate Iron Wolf hard drives, 14 terabyte one, into a uh, pin code driven encrypted uh, external housing. So I'll say it. How many people just set the pin code to be zero 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 zero? That's the combination on my luggage. Oh, like Kanye West's <laughs> iPhone. Yeah, that's <laughs> you need two more zeros for that. Um, uh, I believe it actually gets pissed if you don't do at least seven. So yeah, I mean, I wonder. I mean, I would imagine this is reasonably secure since it's a separate hardware device that's doing the crypto before it even gets to the hard drive and. 
that thing's sole purpose in life is to protect the data. So hopefully it's not going to be like those SSDs. <laughs> Um, kind of when yeah. I posted it, because it was after the <laughs> SSD story, and I'm like, yeah, but you can still do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it um, is common criteria certified. Do you have to feed oh, it okay. antioxidants daily? So, um, yeah, so that should be secure. Uh, and they, uh, I mean, they tested it, and it was fast as well, which just means that the, the processor can handle the throughput of the hard disk, basically, um, which is good. Uh, and one of the interesting features, at least I figured, was it'll support multiple users. So you can actually partition that drive off and have like an overall admin huh. code that can get access to everything, as well as separate pins for multiple users so that only you can only get at your own files. Oh, I didn't, re- I didn't realize it extended through to the media and had like, well, it would, yeah. it would have to partition the drive. Yeah, they didn't test that, but I, yeah, I wonder how that would in the spec sheet. I'm kind of curious if that yeah, really like, works that way. That sounds like it's just got multiple pins into the encryption key. Like, yes. yeah. multiple LUNs with multiple pins. I don't know. I'm interested. That would be cool as if hell. It, if, it does it. It, if it does it, I'm interested. Um, yeah, I wanted, I'd love to be able to test it. Hmm. We should uh, see if we can get a hold of one of those. Cool. But that was going no, through looking, PR, uh, which is not always accurate. Yeah, might have PR might have lost that in translation or something. Exactly. Those right. 14 terabyte Iron Wolf drives. Yeah. Looks like the cheapest price is about 529 for one of those things. Oh wow! And yeah. the encrypted one was only 870. Yeah, so you're spending like 300, yeah. a little over 300 on that. If Newegg has it listed for 599, B&H Photo had it for 529.95. That's so about that's, a 600 ish dollar drive in an enclosure with the added security. That's not a bad price. That's surprisingly no, good. Season. It's not bad. Because, I mean, it's 14 terabytes. Do they offer anything but this 14 terabyte model? Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine so. they like, do. You're pushing it to the absolute limit of what we can do with like consumer hard drives as far as capacity. Yeah. Imagine data recovery on that thing. Uh, no. <laughs> it's going to take a <laughs> No, no. no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I would imagine you can pull the drive out of there. You can image it. And but then what would be on it? Yeah, like, is it all just scrambled data? Basically, yeah. Uh, yeah you know, we'd probably say you need to format it. Well, I mean, no, yeah, it's you available in one, it, two, three, four, six, eight, ten, and twelve, and fourteen gigabyte or t- terabyte oh, uh, capacities. Okay. All right, whatever meets your budget. Yeah. My budget is one of those two terabyte thumb drives off AliExpress. <laughs> so uh, really, two terabytes. <laughs> I can't just, keep, I just, like a, a I just keep writing to it. Thumb drive nerds. Didn't Ryan actually buy one of those one time? Yeah, because he's. I think he was more curious than anything. Yeah. I don't think he expected it to work, but I think he half expected it to work. And even well, if, he's taking that optimism to a new place now. <laughs> he wanted ten cents a gigabyte. Damn it! Well, that, that was thing, the only way he was gonna that, get it. That thing was like less than a cent per gigabyte. Yeah, I think. All right. Um... Jeremy wrote up a news post talking about preliminary look at uh, Battlefield Five performance. Uh, Ken and I were actually dorking around with Battlefield today. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, it lo- does it look as pretty as the screenshots? It 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 looks it's, prettier it's pretty. than the screenshots. It's, it's very pretty um, because screenshots and articles don't do justice to when like an explosion happens nearby and it bounces off of all the things on the yeah. screen, basically. Yeah, and like you know, like you. The Even explosion. without RTX, how does it look? 
It, it still it looks amazing. It and looks if you good. have the opportunity yeah. to play it in HDR on a PC somehow, if you hook it up to a TV or buy a two thousand dollar monitor, that looks stunning as well. I, yeah. I was playing some of the open beta with that G Sync HDR monitor when we still had it. And it's it's a very, very, very good looking game. Yeah, we were we were dorking around with it a little bit. Um I mean the RTX stuff is useful. Some of it seemed a well, little buggy. Well, I would buggy. say it's useful. Well, I mean, it's, I would say it's nice looking. It's nice. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. The tricky thing is that when it's on, uh, it it's just like it makes things more realistic, and it's almost to the point where it's like you kind of are just not picturing it as a game with game graphics at least in my mind, anymore, Yeah. right? It's like one of those last few hurdles to get it kind of over that, not Uncanny Valley, but sure. like sort of like, wow, this this yeah. looks just realistic sort of thing, right? Um, and it's easy to get lost in that. And then we were even trying to mess around with settings, trying to figure out, okay, well, which, there's a slider for how much RTX detail or whatever you want. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out, okay, which things add you know, make the effect look better or worse. And like, it was just like, oh, they, they all look good. What the heck? And then it took a while for us to actually lock on to, <laughs> you know, oh, wait, this, if you move the slider this way, like there's extra effects. Yeah. Like extra so, RTX so, effects. So there's are, there's low, medium, high and ultra, or just low, medium, ultra? No, low, medium, high, ultra. And it seemed that on low, you would get the reflections and surfaces like you would expect, like in puddles and, and glass and car, shiny cars and stuff like that. Yes. But once you hit a certain threshold of like medium or high, mm-hmm. you would start to essentially get global illumination yeah. so that you would get the bounce off the reflective surfaces would illuminate the rest of an interior room. Yep. That's, mm. So it's zoom and enhance. Yeah. Basically. It's a very difficult thing to find and quantify in a multiplayer-only game. Yeah. There are some single-player scenarios, but they don't really show have scenes show it off that well. We're trying to stand still in an area and like, stop shooting me! Yeah. I'm trying to look at this puddle in this wall over here. <laughs> yeah, so we're desperately trying to find ways to uh, kind of show what it looks like. Without qual- getting shot. Quantify the performance, so we're working on that. I will say we were playing today with a 2080 Ti at 4K, all the settings on Ultra, except RTX, which we mostly had on low. Mm-hmm. And we are getting right about 60 frames a second. Yeah, it was like 50, That's 60, something like so that. So it, like, I've seen the stories about how it halves your frame rates. And yes, that could be the case, but I don't think you should put RTX on Ultra. I don't think there's a big enough benefit. There's probably a sweet spot yeah. somewhere in the middle. What we were noticing is, now I don't know if this, this is their current implementation, but as soon as we flipped past that notch that would turn on the lighting yeah. effects, uh, our frame rate. In a given scene, we went from like 57 frames per second to like 47 frames per second, mm. just when we flipped past that notch. Now, yeah. granted, all those different parts of the scene looked better, but it was only when you saw them. We had to like, as far as the maps were going, we had to be in the right place to even see that thing flip on and off. Because in some places, it's very subtle. Yeah, in plenty of places it's, on the map, you, there might not be a single thing on the screen that takes advantage of that. Yeah. But at the same time, the frame rate still drops. Is what I noticed. Yeah. Even if you couldn't even tell A versus B, like nothing on the scene looks like this effect is happening. Obviously, the engine had to be doing some work to do that. But if it was like bright outside and everything was lit anyway, yeah, 
it's it's like kind of lost on it. Yeah, and, 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 then, and then when you, know, you do look directly into a reflective surface, like if you make your entire view like into a directive sur- uh, reflective surface, you get a bit it, it dumps a bit lower as it's actually doing sort of the RTX, yeah, the the, the DXR work. Now, like some people in the chat are talking about having a gimped frame rate on competitive FPS. Now, I would take a gander that most people tune their settings to get about 60 on their GPU. Probably. Where you, you could run lower settings and get 120 hertz, uh, 20, 120 frames per second with VSync off and still technically have a bit of an, an, of an, an advantage. advantage. But I think most of the people you're playing against are still going to be kind of aiming for 60 or on lower end hardware. So I don't think it's as much as a competitive disadvantage. Sure, if you were like a super competitive player, you probably wouldn't enable this. But I mean, you also do get like you could see somebody through a reflection that you wouldn't be able to see right. with RTX. On and I don't think it would off. be hard if you were 1440p. I think that card would probably hit 60 even yeah. with everything at ultra. That being said, that is a $1,200 video card. Yes. So I don't think the 2070 is going to fare very well. The 2080 right. might be all right at higher resolutions and frame rates, but we're looking into it. Just thought we'd give those impressions that we have today. Come on. Yeah, I mean, the, the frame rates were impressive. It's a lot. Without, without the lighting enabled, but just with the reflection part, you get a lot of the benefit of the whole RTX thing. Yeah. Right? At I, least, I, at least I, the I visual benefit. I would play on RTX low. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Anyways, there's yep, that yep. rat hole. <laughs> yeah, that's a rat hole. It's a, you know, and I imagine there's probably going to be changes there. As well, yeah, it like. seems like the thing that's going to get patched pretty quickly, and I bet they probably still have some performance. Well, to I get was out of I it. was able to crash to desktop <laughs> yeah. the game, and all I was really doing, I was barely playing the game. I was just flipping back and forth between like low, medium, high, and ultra for just that RTX setting. Yeah, and uh, eventually, at one point, I flipped it, and the game started going like five frames per second, <laughs> and, then, and then it went like one frame per second. Yeah, and then it went like one frame every five seconds, and then it just crashed the desktop. But it looked pretty while doing it. Oh, it looked amazing. Yeah, you get you get a good look at the motion blur if you like move the mouse and like the the next frame. You oh. can just kind of sit there and enjoy the motion blur. Uh, my top tip for Battlefield Five: uh, when you immediately boot the game, turn off the film grain. Yeah, it looks like shit. It looks like complete <laughs> shit. And they do have other effects like a vignette, and there's another one that I, I've left on so far. They look all right, but the film grain yeah, makes it look it's... like complete shit. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> and I it's want, default on. I don't want my game to look like an old timey movie, unless it's like a cutscene or something. Yeah. For kind of to... like one of the best looking PC games, the sh- the state it's it had a bunch of snow in on the looks screen. really shitty. <laughs> You've got an ugly switch, and we turned it on. Yeah, <laughs> ugly switch on no default. default. Next, they should just add Instagram filters that are just on all the time. And like you know, no, that's what Ansel's for. Okay. Ah, uh, Jeremy, what's this Chromium plated web thing? I don't friggin' know. I don't know that much about networks. Zero, Alex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're talking about dumping TCP and replacing it with uh, a quick a protocol that Google designed called Quick. Yeah, this this actually came out. Quick came out a while ago, and it was kind of a toy for a while. Um, and now it's gonna be an ITF standard. So yay! I mean, it's like you're asking for a web page, and why do you need to do uh, you know, sin synac ack all this other TCP well, crap? With, with HTTP two, it added the ability to push. Mm-hmm. 
So you can say you have a browser come in and says git slash HTTP2. It does a protocol upgrade and does HTTP2 does in-stream management of substreams. So with Quick and HTTP3, uh, they just basically moved it to a new transport. And there's kind of a bit of an asterisk on this little graph here. Um, <laughs> all the documentation, all the protocol specs are all open. Uh, you can go to the the Google page, and they have some very in-depth technical articles, and it's extremely well-documented. Um, and their protocol negotiation and upgrade process seems to be pretty sound. And basically what it's doing is it disconnects the session management from the IP map, uh, the IP pair and the port pair. Yeah. So traditionally, you know, you have a request come in, it's coming from 192.168 on port 6336 or whatever to port 80 on blah, 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 blah. On the server, yeah. Right. Well, with Quick, it doesn't do that anymore. <clears throat> it actually has, as part of the protocol negotiation and handshake, it sets up a session ID. And that's what's tracking the actual connection at the protocol layer. So now with Quick or HTTP 3, uh, previously, if your laptop, say, went from a cell connection to a Wi-Fi connection, obviously things would break. You'd break the link, yeah. Yep. It doesn't do that anymore because the the handshake and the challenge is authenticated. It just carries over. It's mm. actually really cool. Yeah. Um, the downside is, is everything's encrypted and it's going to make a real big pain in the ass for anyone who needs to do protocol dumps. What kind of needs to be encrypted for you to be able to do that kind of a handoff? Yep. Yep. Otherwise, you can just man in the middle the heck out of that thing. <laughs> yep. There's a, um, there's a couple cases they talk about in the, uh, not the cipher page, but the, the encryption page, um, talking about uh, replay attacks and uh, echo DDoSing. Um, and they have some very interesting ways about how to mitigate that because you can't fix them both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so this is cool. I'm, I'm kind of... Like, this was really interesting when it first came out, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it come out and more widespread. Cool. But yeah, you're right. Uh, nightmare for anybody trying to troubleshoot the network and sniff traffic. And <sighs> it's just moving it up a layer, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Move on up. All right. Uh, what do we got next here? Uh, NVIDIA Quadro RTX 4000. Hmm. Jeremy, want to say some stuff? Uh, AMD just, you know, put out a card. So oh. obviously NVIDIA has got to jump on it and oh, say, okay. yep, yeah, but we got also a brand new RTX We can, we can do this too. Yep. And it's it's a little more affordable than the other ones. Uh, this guy is selling for about $900, which if the, the new Instinct's you know, there's a good chance they're going to be sitting around a little bit higher than that, but not ridiculously more. So it's it keeps them in that affordable range. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a bump up from the the previous one. Uh, we've we've we're of course moving to the touring architecture, but it's got uh, 2,304 CUDA cores up a, a little bit from the previous one. 288 tensor cores, again a tiny little jump from the previous model. 36 RT cores, which, of course, is the new thing for touring, and 8 gigs of GDDR6 on board. So it's going to be interesting to see that. 
they're, they're suggesting that it's going to be a 40% jump in bandwidth uh, from that the P4000, which you know isn't totally out of the ballpark, we wouldn't think. So, you know, once we see it, we'll be able to say whether this is anywhere near accurate or not. And the, the numbers they're spitting out are pretty much bang on with uh, what you're expecting from the, the lower cost uh, instinct, uh, 57 teraflops of performance uh, in tape. It, it's right. time to convince your boss to upgrade your work machines. <laughs> the, the cool thing I've seen kind of NVIDIA and uh, PNY pushing about this is that it's a single slot card. So it's essentially an RTX 2070 for workstations and it's single slot. Yeah. Which they've kind of done with the Quadros in the past. They had like a GTX 1070 equivalent that was single slot and you essentially get that blower fan going going pretty good, and then you can see the venting at the top mm-hmm. because they obviously don't have room for venting in the back because that's where the display connections are. So, yeah. you know, easier to fit into workstations. Interesting. Or a bunch into a server, maybe. You never know. All right. Uh, oh, look. More. Oh, wait. Is this RGB? Yeah, of course it's RGB. Of course. It's very expensive RAM. Oh, How look, could it more, not be? More G-Skill RGB memory. But DDR4 yeah. DDR4 4000. Yeah. And 4266. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> In case the 4000 wasn't high enough. What's interesting and is... And decent the, timings, too. What's interesting yeah. is the, the jump from 4000 to 4266 has no timing change. Yeah. Uh, now, it's granted, granted, it's going CL19 and... 4,000. But versus, still, if you look still, at higher-end yeah. DDR4, CL19's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you also notice uh, that the 4266 is at 1.45 volts and only 1.35 for the 4,000. Yeah. And so these, they're giving it a bit extra juice to keep that. And these were already validated on an Asus motherboard with 9920X and 9800X. Holy crap. I need this on or Thread Ripper. Slap it on a Thread yeah, Ripper yeah, and just tighten the timing. I mean, I wonder. I wonder what's the point on the Thread Ripper where like it just won't let you go higher. Like uh, you know, assuming you had memory of unlimited uh, DDR number. Well, like what? What would the what would the bottleneck become on the rest of the platform being unstable and not being able to push that bus any higher? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I think we really haven't hit that. Although Thread Ripper is fun to find out, wouldn't it? Well, Thread Ripper is <laughs> generally kind of picky with memory, though, right? Like it's. You well, there's Samsung B dies, which it usually likes. Oh, they're B dies. Yeah. yeah, that would that'd be interesting. Hmm. How much does it cost? Oh, infinite oh. money. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I noticed there's no money in this post here. No, Jeremy. <laughs> they don't seem to have wanted to suggest a price. They don't even, they don't even want to let you know yet. Oh man, <laughs> let's just go with lots. Yeah, lots and lots of money. But you know how everything ask. lately has been costing well over a thousand dollars. <sighs> don't I yeah alright uh, so Intel launched this deep learning stick thing with a VPU on it I guess so it's a USB 3 port it looks like they're what was the name of that little mini uh, computer thing they used to make <laughs> the compute stick yeah the compute stick it looks like a compute stick but now it's a neural compute stick too yep uh Interesting, and it's a uh, hundred bucks. So what is this? Just to get like get skin in the game on like I want to play with uh, you know neural stuff, but I need some neural hardware. 
You just buy this thing. Yeah, and it gets your so, foot in the door on how to do it. So, right? yep. I, I think one of the the I think it was the first gen that I saw some application stuff where people would like plug them into Raspberry Pis mm-hmm. for tasks like doing inference where you don't need a lot of compute power. Like you're not the thing you're doing with the inference results isn't very intensive. Like you're setting up a you're setting up a webcam and looking for when your cat goes by. Right. But the right. inference but the inference itself is what would <laughs> it normally is running on the VPU. Right. And that would normally tax a CPU. Yeah, you would absolutely no way be able to do CPU inference on a low power device like a Raspberry Pi. Right. But this thing can and I wonder how much power it draws. Probably not that bad. Probably not that bad. Um I mean there's not even Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean doesn't even no, look like into your, your USB uh, C. Yeah. Or USB 3 or yeah, 3.1 USB 3 port. Yeah. So probably, and if you scroll, uh, and apparently you can use more than one of them. Yeah, Ooh. that's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, this would be good for applications that you can't fit a GPU into, but still would like some some deep learning capability in. Yeah. So if you think about more embedded stuff or lower power form factors, you know, could be interesting. And yeah, the VPU is pretty nifty. Uh, yeah. it's the next generation from the one that's in like the Fleer Firefly and a lot of the other stuff that's out now. Mm-hmm. This is the new version of it. So hmm. see how it goes. All right. Um, I guess that's it for the news. Uh, next up, picks of the week. Uh, Ken, I need your pick of the week. I don't have one. Oh, Ken does. <gasps> Ken lost out. That's all right. Uh, Sebastian will bail you out. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's some crap. First up, I guess and I found I'll... it on eBay. Actually, I didn't find it on eBay. Um, if you've done a lot of searching around YouTube for some reason, looking for information about running oh. old hardware and software and making old games work, because for some reason you find DOSBox too convenient. <laughs> and, and I'm looking directly into the mirror right now, by the way. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, there's a YouTube channel, and he has a companion site, uh, Phil's Computer Lab. And one of the videos he did was about this Yamaha YMF744 sound card. And he said, hey, there's a seller on eBay who has a bunch of these. He's down to apparently only four left. But these are like new in box, A-open Cobra sound cards from years ago. (laughs) And what they are is actually a Yamaha AW744. Now, what's interesting about these is Yamaha implements a proper OPL3 in their like integrated like I do, chip. I do believe this man so is not, biting the head of the snake off. Well, I was going to say, what, what is he doing with his mouth? It's <laughs> Is he playing that cobra flute thing or is he that, that's not eating how you charm his a snake. performers? Yeah. <laughs> he's charming that something. took me by surprise. I he's smoking no, a bong. That's what he's doing. He's <laughs> smoking a bong while hallucinating snakes. Yeah, oh, there's the Yamaha uh, chip. It's not the DSXG, it's just the plain old XG. Paw. <laughs> Tish tosh. Hey, is, no, is listen, that listen. PCI? Or, yeah, it's yes, PCI. PCI. Wow. It's PCI. Yeah. So if, if you're getting this, the reason that you would even consider this is not because it's going to do like amazing, like spatial, what is it, EAX or A3D. So you can do those better on a Sound Blaster card, like a Sound Blaster Live. Uh, this is good for DOS compatibility. You don't have to have a really old board like a Socket 7 or older with an ISA sound card and spend, you know, $70, 80 90 or $100 or more on a Sound Blaster 
ISA card, because those are those keep climbing in the used market on eBay. This thing for twenty five bucks, you restart in DOS mode if you have like a Windows ninety eight gaming PC you've cobbled together, and it just works with a lot of games. You get proper FM synth sound, and it doesn't doesn't have like that horrible. I have tried in the past, like. DOS gaming on a Windows 98 machine where I had like a budget Sound Blaster card and it was sort of emulating FM synth. I was playing X-Wing actually and <laughs> there were a whole bunch of notes just missing. If you were playing like the old version of the game, the DOS what do you, version uh, of the game. So. What do you choose? Like what option in the DOS game menu do you choose? Like which sound option? Oh, there's a, that's why I would, I would uh encourage you to check out phil's computer lab for all the settings he has in the video he walks you through because if you restart into dos mode with this thing uh it brings up a little control panel you get to choose uh you know your basic sound card setup oh from there and basically when this is configured if you just want to use the opl3 within the game's setup usually like the install or sound setup or whatever the game has yeah you just run it you choose ad lib and oh, it, okay. it does 100% accurate ad lib sound. It does okay. It does like very acceptable sound blaster for the digital effects. Uh, and it'll mix them. And there is a mixer app that you can bring up and you can adjust your levels between the ad lib and the uh, sound blaster compatible. But for 25 bucks, and actually they sell the same seller, I think has them loose for $20 without the box. It's uh, kind of a fun thing to mess around with if you have like a an old machine laying around that you can put like Windows 98 SE on. And for some reason you actually wanted to try like doing like the like the nuts and bolts you know method of old time gaming versus just putting it in DOSBox and having your computer emulate it. And DOSBox emulation for sound is actually great. Yeah, it's and pretty good. It does it's not the same. Bad, just in case you miss your auto exec dot bad. There you go. Yeah, it is is, you... is different. There are subtle differences, even between there are subtle differences between the Munt implementation of the uh, Roland MT32 and the real thing, whether people accept that or not. But anyway, it's it's a very very complex, and it can be very expensive to get into like MIDI modules and put together like a Roland MIDI stack, and all of that stuff is ridiculously expensive. If you want to do it with an ISA. Because of the interface you have to buy, which is super rare and very overpriced. So, All right, who wants to go next? You do. I can go next. All right, uh, so I think, was it Jim? Jim bought one of these or Ryan bought this book? Ryan. Yeah, sorry. I know he's easy to forget. Well, I mean, you don't remember him either. Anyway, we're all forgetting Ryan around here. Who? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so... Pretty cool book. I picked it up recently. Uh, it's called The Game Console, Photographic History from Atari to Xbox. And uh, they kind of give you some verbiage on, like, you know, some stats and numbers on whatever the particular gaming system was. But what interested me was they have an iFixit-style, like, actually better than iFixit-style breakdown photo yeah. of every single system. Where it's just, they completely disassemble it, and then they just kind of, like, layer all the all the bits and pieces uh, so you can get to see what the inside of the thing looked like. Um, you know, pretty cool. Cool book to flip through. It's actually, uh, I forget how many pages it was, but there was a lot. Like, there were a lot of game systems in there. Hadn't seen an Intellivision in years. And 
<laughs> saw one in that book. B-17 Bomber. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you ever play that game on the Intellivision? The, you had to have the optional uh, voice edition. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Kitty? So there was this chess game my uncle would constantly play on television. All I remember is the controllers were horrible. They had this stupid, they had a little number pad on them that was like membrane <laughs> number pad, right? And then they had this little, it was supposed like a wheel shaped thing, but it was actually the joystick, but mm. it didn't stick out at all. So if you wanted to go up, you had to push this disc in, like on top. It was like, yeah, it's just. Didn't Valve design with some of those? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. Uh, anyway, next, uh, Jeremy. Question mark? I don't know. King it Jeremy. Yeah, it's Jeremy. You say so. So the uh, Hackaday Prize has finally completed and the number one winner is actually kind of interesting because everyone should have a robot arm called Dexter. There's nothing horrible that could happen because of that yeah, whatsoever. But uh, there's a, a, the list of parts is actually quite short and uh, not ridiculously expensive. And the software that the guys developed does everything you expect from a normal robot arm and is able to emulate we'll, we'll the hand kitty. motions. Yeah. It can pet the Back. kitty. Ken, you got a 3D yeah. printer. I do. I do have a 3D printer. You need you need to get cracking. Yeah. But with the right awesome. equipment, you can actually teach it how do you how to move using your own arm motions, which is generally stupidly expensive if you're going to be buying a robot arm. But can you teach it how to love? Well, I think it needs I think it needs a speed upgrade. Do you mean like the physical act of love, Ken, or uh, you know, like the emotional side? Because I'm pretty sure you can just program in the physical side. (laughs) All right. Oh, this is an FPGA for processing. And ooh, force feedback. You can build it yourself. It's it's just not going to be a ridiculously hard project if you've got any idea what you're doing with FPGAs. So hey, give it a shot. Interesting. It is interesting. All right. Next. George. Gersh. Gersh Warriff. Uh so you know, being original, I'd like to point these things out. But the price of, of higher end G Sync monitors are, are going down. This is a VA panel, goes 120 hertz. G Sync, $7.99, another 20 bucks off. If you use the code, curved. You know, this would really replace my three, my current three monitor stand. And I'm seriously thinking about this. Maybe next month. There's got to be another special coming out oh, by yeah. next month. But the oh, prices on these things are going down. Hold on. This and is, it's nice. This is 800 what? And then isn't there, isn't this plus 20% off with the promo? $20. Yeah, so what's oh, $20. like $779.99. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, yes, it's uh, not a, it's I mean, not a huge chunk off. But. Well, you know these things are going budget when AOC is making them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Makes me happy. It's a nice looking stand for that monitor. Mm-hmm. It yeah. looks like it looks like the bezel might be gloss, which is ugh. But you know, I don't care. But it has a uh, headphone hanger. See that uh, that thing sticking yes, out that looks like it's going to impale you. Yeah, that's yeah. where you hang your headphones. You know what I'm saying? I see. I see. It looks like the handle of uh, nail clippers. 
Yeah, I know. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, or a, so, uh, yeah, they, they just keep going down in price. We had that uh, Alienware one last week that, uh, you know, arguably might have a few more features, but it's 100 bucks more. 120. Yeah. And this is still yeah. a 120 hertz panel. Yeah. Does Mono Price have an equivalent for like two hundred dollars yet? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I was looking, and no, they've got a nice FreeSync one though. Yeah, I don't think they're in the Let's G-Sync see. game. Yeah. Uh, no. No. But you know what? Hey, what? What's the range on that FreeSync? What if it's fine? No, it's like forty-five to one hundred twenty. Hmm. There you go. Very good. Right. All right. Uh. Alex, and then I guess Ken has a pick. No, I don't have a pick. Oh well, then why, why is there a why is there a thing here? I will Some click on it and see. It's almost like we all have access to that document. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for the episode. Mm. We'll save that for later. Okay. Um, so, so mine, Alex got something. I do. Um, and this was a something that showed up. Uh, was this? It was on Steam sale uh, last weekend. Yeah, and this is called a game. It's from it's, it's called from a, a game. Back. Huh? It's a Risk of Rain. Uh-huh. Uh, this was released back in 2013, which was ages of go. Uh, it was on sale for two dollars, and I picked it up because, as per usual, it runs on OS X, Windows, and Linux. And for all the old school people, it has plain old <laughs> standard TCP/IP local LAN co-op. Oh. Uh, so I picked up a copy of this for myself, my cousin, and my wife, and I think we've probably put 25 hours into <laughs> really? it. Uh, really? It's a very simple game, six six levels long. Uh, it's got level, an old-school Commander Keen, like, 8-bit look to it. It's, it's yeah, it's very old-school, um, randomized-generated spawns, um, and it's, it's roguelike. So the longer you play, the harder it gets, and you will die. <laughs> at some point it will happen okay so i think right now it's like 10 bucks uh they're coming out with risk of rain 2 in january of next year but it's all 3d and <laughs> but this will run on a potato <laughs> all right sweet okay well i guess that wraps it up uh if you want to see let's see First of all, that mailbag thing we talked about at the beginning, uh, go find that mailbag video. And if you got some questions for us, comment in either the YouTube video or the article for the mailbag. Uh, you want to reach out to Ken? Twitter. I prefer carrier pigeon. Twitter.com slash Ken underscore Addison. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the underscore. It's I'm very important. Not important enough. Uh, what's Jim's Twitter? I have no idea. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'll have to insert that next week or something. Yeah. Just do like a crappy voiceover in post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, uh, tour.com slash PC per. Dot um, com slash Sebastian P. Uh, yeah. Come on. Don't sound so bored, Alan. <laughs> don't. <laughs> or you can do it. You can look at a quality post like my post. That I made about my dollar store printer polish. Come on. Did, did you just say dollar store printer polish? Furniture polish. Furniture polish. Oh, oh. I guess you could polish a printer with it. I guess you could. It does. It works. It leaves a, a sort of store. sticky residue. Okay. Well, I, 
Don't recommend. On on that note, uh, <laughs> it smells nice. On that exciting. note, I will shut this train wreck down before it runs off the tracks. Please. Uh, and I guess we'll see you guys next week. So, uh, good night. See ya.